Today on the Locked on Hornets podcast, we talk about the all-star voting results and where a couple of Hornets rank in those votes. We also discuss how James Borrego has done through the first half of the NBA season, and we share some interesting stats. That's all today on the Locked on Podcast Network. You are Locked on Hornets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the pod anywhere you get them, and you can follow us on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, L-O-H. The show handle at Locked On Hornets, and that's exactly what you can type in on YouTube to go subscribe to us there. Now, I give you that promotion a little bit hesitantly because we are very much so approaching the limit in which gets us the bee soup to wear in front of everybody and embarrass ourselves. So what are the YouTube numbers now, Doug? If you want to check in on that, how many subscribers do we have? Uh, so you said 492. Yeah, I'll get an exact. Let me go get an I exact I think it's 492 number. last time I checked. And that means I went ahead and bought away. my bee. I went ahead and bought my bee suit. We're close enough. It's going to happen <laughs> probably next week, maybe today if enough people. You can go. I'm, I'm sure people are. Here's what I think is happening. I think our, our viewers slash listeners are creating fake accounts, uh, but that's fine. Uh, make all the fake accounts you want and subscribe to us on YouTube. Get those numbers up. We love it, and we'll wear a B-suit. My question is, why did you or whoever came up with this idea? I forgot it wasn't you. It was somebody I else. I didn't do it. it. Why, would I, why would I ask to wear a B-suit? I don't know. Why would I that's ask to embarrass myself in that way? That's the question 493. 93. We're seven away. All right. So seven, seven away. people away from subscribing to this channel for us to wear bee suits. Now, what happens if it's like the classic, somebody gets the amount of rushing yards need needed for the record and then they get tackled for a loss? What if we go back to 499? Do we have to do it again? <laughs> yeah, no, no. The answer is no. Once we get it, we're in the bee suits for an episode and then we move on. Okay. We burn the bee suits. The last question that I have on this, how did whoever decided to do this? Mm-hmm. graduate from bee suits to painting our face purple and teal and is it more of a punishment to go with the purple and feel uh teal pa- face paint can't talk or like what, what's the worst punishment there because honestly i think you could make an argument that 500 should have been the face paint and then a thousand should have been the bee suit well if you've ever tried to wash face paint off of your face um it is much more difficult than uh, removing a bee suit from your body i have not you have you've worn the face paint Oh yeah, oh yeah! I went full face paint for many a sporting event. That's it's, it's it's the ultimate way to show your pride. I'm going to <laughs> soak in these possibly cancerous vapors of the mm-hmm. of the face paint in order to show that I truly care about the team that I love. So that's how we're going to celebrate. Instead of doing the bee suit at a thousand subscribers, yeah. we're going to take in the possibly cancerous vapors. That's how we're going to celebrate everybody joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Let's talk about some of these all-star voting results that came in, I believe, yesterday. So a couple of Hornets, yeah, that's right, two actually appear on the list. Let's Dose. go to the back the backcourt first. You look at the guards in the Eastern Conference. It's mm-hmm. DeMar DeRozan who leads the voting at Is number he a guard? one. Is he a guard? I, yeah. Shooting guard. guard. I mean, I feel like he plays forward for the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I, mean, I, get he's shoot. A, I, I get he's a guard, but I mean, doesn't he play? He plays with Levine and um, who's I think the other that's guard? It? No, I'm going to look it up. I think uh, he's a forward. 
I mean, yeah, I got you. The DeMar DeRozan, anyway, is a guard here, and he leads by a mile, by the way. He's almost at uh, 1.5 million votes, and so that's well ahead of the second oh, place. Oh, Lonzo James. Ball. So it's Ball and Levine. Those oh, are your Lonzo. Guards. That's right. Yeah, yeah, Those yeah. Those are your yeah. guards. How can we forget a ball? <laughs> the comments. They're going to kill us. <laughs> yeah, no, goodness um, gracious. DeMar DeRozan's a, he's a forward. Even Google lists him as a power forward, which I would disagree with. I think he's more of a small forward, but. Now, now the problem, though, is if you want to push him up to the front court, that only pushes back somebody else. Well, he doesn't make – see, that's the problem. DeMar, I think DeMar DeRozan deserves to be an all-star starter based on his performance. But because of the hackney way we do these, even though it's improved from the days when we had to vote for a center, it's still weird that we, that we you know group up the guards and forwards like this. Mm-hmm. So he wouldn't make it. I don't think that he's going to – I don't think people, if they considered him a forward – would have put him over Embiid, Giannis, and Durant. Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't make a starter, is what you're saying. He's got a lot of votes in the guards, that's for sure. You right, know, because what? he what because of the way the the All Star voting, if you went to vote, it it uh, arranged everything by points, and so Demar constantly floated up to the top of the of the guard piece. And I just don't think if he was listed alongside Durant, Antetokounmpo, and Embiid that people would have put him up there. I'm not hating on DeRozan. I, I just think no, he's suppressing think. other guards like LaMelo Ball. Right. So James Harden is second. Trey Young is third. Zach Levine is fourth. And then there was a big drop-off to LaMelo, who's at 422,000 votes. He's sandwiched right in the middle of Zach Levine and Kyrie Irving, who— Surprising? You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, whatever. You're surprising to see Kyrie there or surprising to see LaMelo fit? It's never surprising. I'm surprised Kyrie wasn't higher, to be honest. Oh, His right, fan right, base right. is weirdly uh, – has has voted him as a top guard in, in strange years. So I'm not surprised at all that he's on the list. I'm surprised that he's not higher. Mm-hmm. But are you surprised that LaMelo Ball is fifth and that he's sort of not only fifth but is in a second tier of voting? I am you not know, surprised. No, I, I'm not surprised at all. Really? In fa- I, no, I'm not surprised that he's fifth because, one, surprised. If, if, if you want to take just a legitimate argument of the guys that are ahead of him, you know, I understand those types of players that got more votes. I am, I guess, a little surprised about how much love both of the Chicago players got. Like, DeMar to be that far ahead of James Harden, that's surprising to me. You know, we're, we're talking, I mean, you're getting damn close to doubling the vote total from James Harden and then getting up to DeMar. So that guy, I mean, it's going to take a massive fall for him to not be the number one vote getter in the guard section of the Eastern Conference. So I guess I'm a little surprised about Chicago being as a far uh, as far ahead of, as they are uh, over LaMelo Ball. But, you know, Trey Young, James Harden, Zach Levine, who had a little bit of cachet that he was able to carry from last year, deservedly so, was flirting with an all-NBA spot. You know, it's like, I I understand it, even with the popularity that LaMelo might bring. I'm really surprised. I thought thought that his national, international fan base cachet would have elevated him at least into this sort of top-tier where you're getting into the 700,000s. He's 400,000. I mean, that, to me, that's just strangely low. I'm issuing – in fact, I'm going to issue a challenge to LaMelo Ball fans who might not necessarily be Charlotte Hornets fans. Where where are you at? Where are you at, LaMelo Ball fans? I mean, I just feel like he should be a little bit higher. He's certainly put up the highlight plays. He's gotten the attention. The one thing that, that he's missing 
that I think is actually nice to see that that NBA fans are rewarding Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan for getting Chicago in yeah. in into the the top spot in the East. I don't know if they're still there today, but they were for a moment. Uh, but they're certainly one of the three best teams in the East. So the question is, if the Hornets were one of the three best teams in the East, would LaMelo Ball be in one of those top three slots? And I think the answer is yes. Yeah, and I think what you see here with these voting results, it's the fact that it's going to be hard-pressed for anybody to pass LaMelo, except for maybe Kyrie Irving, who's not going to be deserving <laughs> of it. So like the, the people behind LaMelo, Derek Rose, who's not an all-star, Tyler Hero, not an all-star, Darius Garland... That that's the one that you could compare, but he's not going to get it over Lamelo. Like I'm not saying it, it's going to happen. I'm saying he's getting legitimate love. Should having an outstanding season with Cleveland, who themselves overall they're having a really good year, and then Fred Van Vliet. So Lamelo does seem to be in a good position to at least attain that All Star spot. Where Doug, I didn't think it was a foregone conclusion that it was going to be included there. I felt really good about it. If you forced me to bet, I would have said, yeah, for sure, Lamelo is going to get there. And by the way, this is not at all me saying whether he deserves to be or not. I think he deserves to be one for sure. I think he is one of the best players in the Eastern Conference. I think he should be an all-star. All I'm saying is, yeah. what, is the na- what is the nation, what, is, what do basketball voters feel like for LaMelo? And so I do think that this is a good spot for him to be in to kind of go ahead and cement his spot, at least on the roster. I think he's going to get in. Yeah. I don't, I don't really have any doubt about that. Now the one the one way that Kyrie could pass him is if he does come back and in, in, in these next few games. Yeah, how many road just, games do they have? Do they have? Enough? I don't know, but if he just <laughs> if he just lights it on fire, could could enough voters get behind a Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving uh, All Star campaign? It would be ridiculous, and then the coaches would have to put him in. I think at that point, so, yeah. Which I don't um, think. Which I don't all right, think let's go. Happen. Let's go to the front court real quickly. And mm-hmm. Lamelo Ball fifth in the guard spot for the Eastern Conference. If you go to the front court. There's the Charlotte Hornet introduced there as well. Kevin Durant's number one in the vote total. Giannis is second. Huge drop-off to Joel Embiid at third. Jason Tatum, four. Jimmy Butler, five. Jarrett Allen, six. Bam Adebayo, seven. And that's when we get to Miles Bridges coming in at number eight in the front court. Doug, what are your thoughts on Miles sneaking in the top ten there in the Eastern Conference front court voting? I love it. I mean, I think it's, it's right where... I think he should be in that voting. I, I love that people recognized uh, that he had some really eye-popping early success and has re- recently been refinding that form, and that's all good for the Hornets. Not really sure that he's going to make the roster, although we should mention this, that this thing might get really crazy with players having to drop out of the all-star experience yeah. because of so I'm not discounting that Miles could actually even where he is right now find himself suiting up for the all-star game. You just hope that it, you know LaMelo and Miles stay healthy enough that they're they're a possibility. So it, it could happen in this crazy COVID season. Yeah, very much could and I think this is a little bit of the primacy bias, what he did at the beginning of the season, carrying over and helping him out. And it's not to say that he hadn't given us moments even since then, but man, he came on so strong at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. It really helped him out, I think, especially Mm -hmm. because he's also an exciting player, which is always going to help with the popularity vote, just like it's going to help with LaMelo. I think, you know, when it comes to deserving an all-star spot, 
does Miles should he get it over at Jared Allen, Jimmy Butler, some of the players listed above him? It's a really no. tough list to crack. The three-point shooting's been down, but Miles also has been very, very good for Charlotte this year. I'm just happy to see him sure. in contention and have a legitimate spot at getting it. One other thing I want to mention, I know we're kind of going a little bit overboard here, but kind of talking about that that bias at the beginning for Miles, I do wonder if LaMelo lost some steam because he was out for COVID protocol. Charlotte went you know, through a couple of rough stretches, that Western Conference road trip where they went two and four. Mm -hmm. They had a couple of bad losses, one to Washington, getting destroyed by Phoenix, and he hasn't put the eye-popping stats up. It doesn't mean that he's not been a good player. I, I wonder if just that lull to no fault of his own being out because of COVID, I wonder if that also affected the voting in a negative way. Oh, totally. And this is not unfamiliar to Charlotte Hornets point guards. I mean, I, I think there were a few seasons where Kimba Walker's vote totals were suppressed by the fact that, you know, Charlotte wasn't playing as well as other teams. So that's that's how it always is. And honestly, that's how it should be. It's not it's not completely on LaMelo Ball to lift the Charlotte Hornets into contention. Uh, and, and into you know an elite spot in the Eastern Conference. There are so many factors that that go into that. Uh, but if you do manage to do that, if if by sheer will, like Demar Derozan and Zach Levine have, if you can just drag a team, um, you know, into one of those elite spots in the East or West, then I think you deserve the recognition of being an All Star. Yeah, and interesting too, by the way, you look at last year's voting, guys that would have been up for consideration to be in the All-Star game, maybe LaMelo a little bit, but Gordon Hayward was in the voting, and Terry Rozier was kind of in the voting, kind of in that in, in that conversation. Now, both of those guys are on the team, yet neither one of them are among the two Charlotte Hornets that are very much so in the conversation with LaMelo being in the five spot, Miles Bridges being in the eight spot in the front court. So pretty interesting. All four players still here, except two new players in that conversation this season with the Charlotte Hornets. Let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about prize picks now. You can pick any of those players you want to. If you think Terry's going to have a hot night, you think Miles Bridges is going to have a hot night, and you want to bet on that, and you want to do so in a daily fantasy type of way, then go to prize picks because they have the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players, only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from points, assists, rebounds, threes made. There's plenty more that they offer as well. All of your users that deposit and use promo code uh, NBA will receive a 100% instant deposit match. So anybody that uses that promo code NBA, you guys receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. It's excellent stuff. Go to prizepicks.com and join in on the fun playing that daily fantasy site. So much fun. Again, prizepicks.com. Also want to discuss with you Shopify because Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So uh, upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility, and Shopify can help you with all of that. You can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and plenty, plenty more. Go to shopify.com slash locked on NBA, all lowercase, 
for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash NBA right now. That's shopify.com slash NBA. This is Locked On Hornets. And would, you, would I have liked to see a few more shards? Shards? No, I would not have. That's also shards. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. If you look at the comment section, you can tell that there's not many people that are all that angry that Malik Monk is now a Los Angeles Laker. And they're, in fact, angry with me for even talking about Malik Monk. Because, yes, I love him so, but the only reason I do it because LeBron James mentioned the Charlotte Hornets. The best player in the NBA, maybe the greatest of all time, talked about how the Charlotte Hornets mismanaged Malik Monk. And LeBron talked about with Jason did in his own words during Bailey, hey, is there any way we can steal Malik, get him on this team? And he's been playing pretty well out there, certainly even all season, but really the last five games, six, seven, ever since he came back from COVID protocol. So I wasn't going to bring it up again, but we also didn't get a chance to hear Doug's thoughts on what LeBron had to say about Malik Monk and just his overall performance over there with the LA Lakers so far. So Doug, I give the floor to you. What are your thoughts on this entire situation coming about? Uh, LeBron's um, entitled to say whatever he wants to say, but just because he says it doesn't necessarily make it um, completely 100% accurate. I think the Hornets did their best to give Malik Monk opportunities to succeed, and he didn't always take those opportunities. And when I often when I talked about Malik Monk on this show, I said he reminds me a lot of Jeremy Lamb before Jeremy Lamb came to Charlotte. Was a good player, had the potential to be a really good player, but needed a change of scenery. In Jeremy Lamb's case, that change of scenery happened to be in Charlotte. And I didn't hear anyone at the time in Charlotte saying, well, you know, Jeremy Lamb was mismanaged. It was clearly Jeremy Lamb seizing an opportunity or at least seeing that, hey, this could be the end of the road. Jeremy Lamb would mention that. He would say, you know, I basically saw the end of my career in front of my eyes, and I had to figure things out. And honestly, I think that's what's happened with Malik Monk. He saw, hey, no other team was interested in me except the Los Angeles Lakers. Maybe I should finally realize that this might be my last opportunity to succeed in the NBA and take advantage of that. And I'm happy that Malik made that opportunity. But I think we, you know, Hornets fans have to realize that the Hornets gave him every opportunity. And if other people don't see that, well, that's fine. That's context. People aren't paying attention. They'll see that LeBron James says something and take it as gospel. That's fine. I think we, people that watch this show, understand what the truth really is, which is that Malik needed that change of scenery to realize his potential. It wasn't going to happen in Charlotte. Well, I mean, and, and look, like I've already made my feelings known on Malik quite a bit, how I do think James Brago should have played him more because I do think he was a good player that helped out this Hornets team. But also, I don't think that this is something that would have helped the Charlotte Hornets immensely this year where we would have seen them now, oh, five games above 500 rather than hovering a game going below a little bit, sticking around that mark. And James Brago, we've kind of seen him, you know, be really short with players. We've seen it in starting lineups where Nick Richards will start, uh, PJ or Vernon Carey will start, and then he'll bring him back to the bench. And then PJ will actually get that nod after five minutes of James Brago trying this experiment. You know, we've seen this with a lot of different players. And James Brago, you know, a coach that is pretty heavily criticized here in Charlotte, Doug, and we'll transition to a, the evaluation of what he's done with Charlotte. You know, with this team being 
500 right now, essentially, right? I think they're a game above right now as they head into the weekend, going to play Milwaukee twice, once on Saturday, then once on uh, Monday in the Spectrum Center. And and here they are where, you know, you've got a couple of guys in all-star contention. They've had to deal with COVID protocols, but they still come out to bad starts in the first quarter so frequently. And defensively, they're one of the worst, if not the worst teams in the NBA, but offensively, they're one of the best, if not the best team in the NBA. A lot of different things to try to evaluate with this team and with specifically James Borrego. How do you see the job that he's done this year? Well, you say that he's heavily criticized in Charlotte. I would say that he's heavily criticized online. Uh, I think that's where most of the criticisms are coming. You don't hear criticisms or even whispers of criticisms from the organization. You really don't You don't hear players uh, criticizing the game plan. In fact, often they will say that the game plan was solid you know, and, and we didn't execute it or we didn't have the right attitude or, or anything like that. And, and I think it's fair to wonder, hey, maybe where, where does that attitude have to come from? Is it 100% something that has to come from the professionals that are being played or paid to play? Or does some of that need to come from the leadership, from the, from the top, from James Borrego? I think that's, that's fair. But I would say a lot, you know, <laughs> a Hornets fans in Spectrum Center weren't chanting fire Borrego. No, they, they were weren't. chanting fire Matt Rule. Okay, so I would say Matt Rule is heavily <laughs> criticized in Charlotte. <laughs> James Borrego heavily criticized online. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... I think some of it goes hand in hand and maybe heavily is too strong of a word. There's certainly there's certainly visible criticism of James Borrego and you don't have to look very hard for it. So heavily probably no. is a strong word to describe. Um that's you know, I, that's that's always going to come. That's always going to be a product of when a light gets sh- shined on your franchise, which is what's happening now with Lamelo Ball. Now the light is is pretty bright on Charlotte, and the clock is ticking. People are like, "Okay, let's go. I want to see Lamelo Ball in the playoffs. I want to see what this guy can do." And if anything is preventing that. They're not going to look at LaMelo Ball. They're going to look at all of the ancillary things, player, role players, other stars on the team, and that's, gonna, that's going to include James Borrego as well. And I think the pressure should be on. I said at the beginning of the season, this was a winning record or bust opportunity for James Borrego. He hasn't had a winning season in Charlotte yet. Um, he's had a uh, one, um, <laughs> one really bad performance in I don't know if you technically want to call that the playoffs or the play-in, whatever you want to call it, they got blown out of the water. This team was once again not prepared for a big game, and I think a lot of that falls on players, but some of that ultimately has to fall on the coach. And I, I think this is a big second half of the season for Borrego. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily make or break. He got the extension, uh, but I think if this team underperforms with the schedule in their favor, if everyone stays physically healthy beyond the COVID stuff. Cause I think I put the COVID stuff in another basket because it's so the rules are changing. It's so weird. Um, but as long as everyone stays physically healthy from a, you know, muscle bone perspective, hmm. I think the pressure has to be on Borrego to get this team ready, get them in the playoffs with a winning record. I honestly think they need to be a six or higher yeah. for me to feel comfortable. Yeah. I, I'm with you, Doug. I actually have the same exact expectations. I have no problem asking that Wait. goal from this Charlotte. Well, then Hornets I want to then I want to disagree and say now it's top three. I want a top three. I want to go one step more than you. Top three in the if East. They're, if they're not holding up the lob at the end of the season, then there is a huge problem with James Brego, and he needs to be gone. 
my realistic expectations are totally what we agreed upon the first time. Top six seed, I think, is totally attainable, and I think it is even somewhat expected. If you win the play-in game and then get that top six spot, okay, like that's fine. You delivered in a big game. You know, this is going to be a little bit of a gray area because of the play-in tournament. You know, we could do a whole show on James Borrego, and we're trying to condense this in a couple of minutes because we want to move on to a different topic in the third segment. I think some of the things that James Borrego has done really well here in Charlotte are develop players at a high level. Okay. I think some of that is shared responsibility with Mitch Kupchak who we also give credit for drafting good enough pieces to be developed in the second mm-hmm. round with some of the guys mm-hmm. that we've talked about. So that's a shared responsibility and shared credit. But Borrego gets to share it too, right? Like he is involved in a lot of that, sending guys to Greensboro, bringing him back. I think he's a good player developer. I think he's really good at making adjustments. I think part of that is visible because they get off to such bad starts, which I mean, goes in the negatives. See, th- see, that's my problem, though, Walker. I don't oh, know. For if sure. he, I don't know if he's great at making adjustments because I haven't seen this team in a true playoff battle where well, you have to seen, make like, those I mean, what adjustments. We, what we can fairly evaluate, like right now, of course, we don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs. In the playoffs, that's <laughs> I mean, what I'm saying. That's why I'm saying I want to see him in a, in a seven game situation where where you're playing chess. I've only seen James Borrego play checkers, and I think he's pretty good at playing checkers <laughs> what my question has always been is he good at playing chess and that, did, and he, we don't did know. he inherit that from uh from the, the the is he one of is he truly one of the branches from the popovich tree did he inherit that from popovich or is he just great at playing checkers it's a lot of analogies I mean, that i just threw out there but i'm just saying yeah. that's what i want to see well i mean mike budenholzer was criticized for not playing chess and he's a part of the pop tree and so here we are with james borrego like we don't know as uh, let me yeah, evaluate his what, checkers so is LaMelo Ball, like Giannis, somebody who's great enough to lift what I think. I think Budenholz is a mediocre coach. I'll, I'll, that's all. Oh, in the I'll postseason, for sure. No, I yeah. completely agree. Let, let me then, then just entertain me for a second and let me evaluate his checkers game. I don't have to talk about his chess game. I'm just going to evaluate his checkers game. I think he is good at making adjustments. I think that's one of the things that allow them to get back in ball games. We've seen them win a lot of clutch games over the last even couple of years. I do think those are points for James Borrego. I think things against him, those bad starts, like that has to come yeah. from something and that falls on the head coach and what what gives I mean it can't be a persisting problem when this is at least an average team as their record says I think the lineup thing is really weird when he plays these guys for five minutes and then yanks them and puts somebody else in I look and and I know this is this has become a joke for people to complain about their favorite team's rotation I'll raise my hand high like I have no problem being the butt of the joke on this my biggest problem with James Brago has always been taking away minutes from guys that I think should be out there on the court and giving them to players <laughs> I don't think should be on the court. My Make biggest issue you with to. the coach totally is that fine. he won't do what I want him to do. Well, that's exactly – I mean, you want him to make the playoffs, right? Like, that's how – But that's yeah, what that's, everybody that's wants. That's all evaluation See, I want is. Him, I want him to do what everybody wants him to do, what everybody should expect him to do, which is to get this team into the playoffs <laughs> everybody, and win a play-in game against the Indiana Pacers. So that's a Doug Branson – that's so Doug Branson because I am saying this is the opinion. Everybody should have this opinion. My opinions are my own, but immediately should be adopted by you. And so I'm with you. Like, I, I agree with you on that. I think – like a McDaniels, it took him a while to play him. You know, I've already shared my thoughts on Malik. I understand that's mine, but this is also my opinion on James Brego. We've talked about some of these guys that aren't playing enough. And I'll tell you, like all the people that want LaMelo to play more minutes, 
I don't think that's completely off base. Like, I think everybody gets too crazy when they're saying he's not playing LaMelo enough. Like, but if we look at how he managed him at, the, at in his rookie season, we got to a point for me, Doug, where I thought it's time to let loose LaMelo and let him, you know, yeah. entertain us, you know, please. And, and we didn't get to so much uh, of a problem where I was ready for like, all right, JB, this is, it's a real problem now. I, I am I have I'm I've run out of patience like I still had it a little bit but we certainly got to that point where I think he waited a little too long to play LaMelo and so yeah mm-hmm. I think there are the rotation problems those have always been my biggest problems with JB yeah I mean I I, I think LaMelo should play a little bit more too I don't I don't want to see him like Tibbs the guy no you know, for sure in, I, I wonder if the wrist injury changed any calculations um going into this season i think if look i I think we've seen borrego shorten up the rotations he's not afraid to do that if the hornets make a playoff series not just a play-in game i think you're gonna see Lamelo ball get significant minutes and and down the stretch too i think if they are really battling out for seating i think you're gonna see some you know 38 39 40 minute Lamelo ball games for sure yeah, I mean, and I understand trying to rest him. Um, you know, Lamelo's young man. Let let him loose. Let him let him play. All right, we'll transition into uh, Kelly Oubre conversation. We talked about him a little bit, of course, with the big time Detroit Pistons uh, game that he had, hitting eight three pointers in the fourth quarter, nine total. I kind of want to talk about his morale with this organization and how it's changed compared to a Golden State that he played with previously let's talk about built bar first though because it's the new year and so that means new year's resolutions if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier make sure you include built bar in your plan built bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and maybe even better than a candy bar they're all covered in 100 chocolate they are high in protein they're high in fiber but they're low in calories and they're low in sugar so go to built.com use promo code locked 15 to get 15 percent off of your order again built.com locked 15 for 15 percent off of your order and you can enjoy those delicious treats of those built bars we'll talk about kelly Oubre coming up next on the locked on hornets podcast this is locked on hornets you you think no russ do you think he's coming out listen listen okay listen number one number one are you listening number one he's a certified gamer number Mm -hmm. two part game don't rest i'm with part game don't rest It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Kelly Oubre is solidly in the six-man-of-the-year conversation. I don't know if he's going to win. Tyler Hero looks to be the favorite for that award. But Kelly has been very good, and even certainly offensively, the guy has been a microwave. 46% from the field this year, 38% from three. Those are numbers that are either right at his career high or even soaring pretty far above what he previously put as his career high in stops with Phoenix, Washington, and Golden State as well. And we talked all about what Kelly's been able to do, certainly in that game against Detroit. It was awesome to see. But I want to talk a little bit about what he discussed in media availability when he was signed. He was wearing the Quarantine University sweatshirt, talking with media here, and kind of discussing and even alluding to Things not being great for him in Golden State. And that's not a surprise. We saw the historically bad start shooting from three-point land where it was just god-awful. The guy made like one and I mean, I don't even know how many attempts. It was really brutal. We know that he kind of wanted to start but wasn't. And things just didn't go well for him in Golden State. 
And then immediately, even just spending a little time with Terry Rogier during the Miami trip, just kind of talking about, um, you know, different times spent with Charlotte Hornets here, already being a part of the family. I think you're seeing a happy Kelly Oubre, and I think it's because he's feeling good, he's also playing better too. And, you know, that's like, there's nothing I can point to and say, you know, because he's feeling a lot better, he's playing a lot better. But we do know that he's really stressed how happy he is here, and he's, you know, not necessarily let it be a secret how things weren't working out for him in Golden State. And now we're seeing a career year from him shooting very well from the field. I, I just, I, I, you like to see Kelly happy and also see the benefits of that on the court. And you certainly saw that against Detroit. Uh, when you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you play good. And well, you know, Kelly looks good, man. The hair is flowing. Big Ubi. He's the swag lord. So we know <laughs> Ubi knows what he's doing in that department. And look, this is the perfect role for him. And to his credit, he has shot the ball a lot better than he has in other stops where I think other teams like Golden State and like Phoenix were depending on him for better shooting than he could provide in those previous seasons. And for whatever reason, maybe it was something that he did in the offseason or maybe he just loves the rims at Spectrum Center, although they haven't played there as much in the first half of the season. Whatever it is, he uh, is shooting the ball a lot better than he has in the in the rest of his career, and that's been a huge uh, boon for the Charlotte Hornets, who are one of the best shooting teams in the NBA. Well, and it's really all because of his three-point shooting. If you look yeah. at Kelly's stats, I mean, overall field goal percentage, he's not shooting a ton better, right? I mean, he did shoot... 45% in a couple of years with Phoenix, but the three-point shooting, the best he ever shot, was 35 on five and a half per game. Now he's shooting 38 on 7.7 attempts per game, and the effective field goal percentage is at 57% right now. What's interesting, I kind of talked about that same theory I just discussed. If you're feeling a lot better, then you're also going to shoot better. Josh Lloyd of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast, he kind of talked about that more so at the charity stripe. And when we discussed the Hornets preview at the beginning of the season, he expected Kelly to shoot better with Charlotte from the charity stripe, and that actually hasn't been true. He's actually shooting pretty poorly when he goes to the foul line. 66.7% compared to 69.5% that he shot last year with Golden State. And that was the worst he shot from the foul line since his rookie year when he was shooting 63. So this is the second worst he's ever shot now as an established NBA player. So it's kind of interesting there. Still getting to the line not many times. It's actually a full attempt below what he did last season. But I thought that was interesting. Foul shooting not nearly as good, but everything else considerably better. I think we got a quick calling at the charity stripe then. Call it the tax stripe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not the charity stripe. Charity stripe. I think there are plenty of players you can call that. Yeah, there are plenty of players you can do that with. Yeah, and so we'll we'll see what Kelly can continue to do. But, I mean, he's been very good in the first half of the season so far and has really helped the Charlotte Hornets team uh, win games. So that's, a, that's interesting that you shared that. Thank you for sharing. This third segment really is going to be a sharing segment because I ran into some stuff that I'd like to share as well. I was digging into the tracking numbers and let's see if i can actually share this on the screen i want to make sure i share the right oh one. you really want to share share That's i what want you to actually do. share share so let's share share this um so these are the defensive field goal percentage numbers for Char the charlotte hornets this year you can see miles bridges comes in at 58 percent 
uh, Mason Plumley, 62%. JT Thor in limited minutes, 63%. Jalen McDaniel, 63.8%. Okay, on down the line. LaMelo Ball comes in, by the way, at 65.5% defensive field goal percentage. Uh, one way, I don't know how much stock people put in this, but it's one way to measure defensive impact. All right, I have another team pulled up here. I'm not going to put it on the screen because I want you, listener or viewer, and Walker, I would like you as well to – uh, guess and see what team you think this is. So I'm going to give you the not the player name, but their position, and then where where they are defensive field goal. So remember what I just said: Miles Plumley 58, Mason Plumley 62, uh, Nick Richards 65, Lamelo Ball 65, PJ Washington 67. Okay. Now I'm going to go to this mystery team, and the mystery team has a center that plays about 33 minutes, defensive field goal percentage 50.5. They have a power forward that plays about 21 minutes, so a bench player. Only played in 15 games this season, but 51% defensive field goal percentage. Then they have another forward that that starts 33.7 minutes per game that has uh, uh, 51.8. So 50, 51, 51.8. Uh, you've got starting forwards. You've got bench uh, key bench players and your starting center, all under 52% defensive field goal percentage. What team do you think that is? I mean, you know, Philadelphia is worse defensively without Ben Simmons on the floor. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Celtics aren't great. I Chicago is not great defensively. They're offensively mm-hmm. very good. Mm-hmm. I... I mean, is it Philadelphia anyway? You didn't mention the point guard. I'll, I'll go 76ers. Unfortunately, it's not Philadelphia. It's a good guess, but it's not Philadelphia. The mystery team, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mm, so yeah, those makes players sense. makes a ton of sense. They're one of the best defensive teams in the NBA this season. Those players that I mentioned, Jarrett Allen coming in at 50.5, Kevin Love, 51, Evan Mobley, 51.8. If you look at their guards, Darius Garland has a defensive field goal percentage of 82.1%. They're making them against Garland way more than they're (laughs) missing them. Uh, Ricky Rubio, 78%. Okay, So actually, like comparatively, LaMelo Ball's defensive field goal percentage is really, really good uh, compared to those two guards. But I say all of this to sort of discount this idea in my mind. I've heard this thing. It's like, well, you know, if they add a defensive center, it doesn't necessarily make them better defensively. Yes, it does. Because right now, oh, yeah, your, your your forwards and center play have just been atrocious when it comes to defensive field goal percentage. You can't. So the best defensive player on the team is Miles Bridges at 58. So, uh, you know, that's that's my point there. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I don't know if, if that alludes to anything I said about transition defense. I think it would help. I don't think it's a necessity to help with their transition defense. Their overall defense, absolutely. I mean, you get anybody like that. I, I don't know how you I don't know how you try to argue that. Like they they absolutely need somebody at that five spot to improve right. their overall defense and it would help this team's overall expectations. Like you talk about look, you want to get to that three spot, Doug, then you need the Hornets to make a move and get that center in order for you to attain that goal. And I think, you know, they have Jared Allen, and I, I think that kind of defensive pre- presence would cascade down. You would see Miles, mm-hmm. and you would see Jalen, and you would see P.J. All of those defensive field goal percentages would suddenly 
uh, start to, you know, ascend towards that 52 percentage mark. One more thing before we go that I thought was really interesting. So I looked at that 65.5% defensive field goal percentage number for LaMelo Ball, and I said, hey, that's, that's pretty good. I wonder what it looks like when they win a basketball game. So I ran that number as well. I'll throw that up on the screen. It you. drops from 65.5% to 58.6%. And in fact, LaMelo Ball of the major rotation players in Charlotte Hornets victories is the third best defensive player, uh, according to defensive field goal percentage, if that's the only metric that you're using. Mm-hmm. Um, fifty-eight. Well, let's choose to go with that one then. Let, let's go. <laughs> let's use the one that I'm I'm using right now, so that I seem right. That's what I would like to do. But that's I interesting, agree. right? It drops significantly when Lamelo Ball locks in on defense. This team uh, plays a lot better. It's and Terry Rozier, uh, comparatively in those victories, is around the same that he normally is, which is around seventy-five, which is still honestly better than the guards uh, on Cleveland, which have a which are a great defensive team. Well, yeah, and and you know Cleveland. That's the thing, though. Like it, once once you say it, it, Jared Allen, awesome. Evan Mobley, immediately excellent at defense. Isaac Okoro was a defensive player they drafted in the first round. Before that, so you have a lot of really good defensive-minded players on that Cleveland Cavaliers team, and that's how I think they're able to ascend the way they have with some talented players on that roster. Darius is coming out party offensively for sure as well. That'll do it for Locked On Hornets. Thanks so much for joining us on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Now make sure you uh, make Locked On Bets your second listen daily. It's your one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday to recap the Milwaukee Bucks game on that Saturday night.